This is the Concerned Dabs Podcast. I'm your host, Katie M. Kane, and with me is my co-host, Will Terps. Yo, yo. Okay, so tonight's episode is based around cultivation in the cannabis industry. We have two different guests. Um, the first one is going to be Noah Bentley from Salvation Farms and Joshua Steensland from Steensland Consulting. Both guys have a lot of input and insight as far as the industry goes from both of their points of view. So we're really excited to have them on the show. Hopefully we have some live listeners who want to call in and ask some questions. Did you do anything cool this week, Will? Yeah, I actually uh, had a home brewing class today that I attended, which is pretty cool. Try my hand at that, brew some beers. Uh, but yeah, it was very informative and makes me realize that some need equipment, probably to fail a bunch, but hey, that's how you, that's how you get started with most things. So Yeah, man, R&D, bro, R&D all the way. Exactly, yeah, but I'm... Uh, yeah, that's what I did pretty much. Uh, just hung out with the family otherwise. Um, but yeah, that was definitely the highlight of my weekend. Uh, that home brewing class was cool. Dope, dope. Yeah. I feel like intros are kind of out of the way. Do you feel the same, Will? Would you like to have Noah come on right now? We're only a few minutes in, but uh, yeah. Noah's live on, on the, yep. the video feed. So we Noah's might well ready to go. So. Talk. I feel like he, he's his mind is right. Our mind is right. We might as well get to the talking part. Exactly. Okay. Yo, what's Yo, up, what's Noah? Up? So we've been on the stream for a second before we went live, just chopping it up and practicing a little bit. We're really excited to have Noah on the show. Ladies I'm and excited to be here. It's my first time doing anything like this. Dope, man, to have you on. Um, it's Noah Bentley from Salvation Farms. Um, that's all I really want to say. My first, please state your name, location, company, and whether rec or medical. So I'm a medical farmer out of the state of Oregon. Um, I participate in the seed to sale transfer system that has partnered with the OLC's program. Um, full season light depth and indoor farming cultivation, um, all for medical patients. Um, they get their yearly supply, um, and pretty much what we do, everything really clean. Um, everything's handcrafted, you know, we keep a really fine eye of the process to make sure pretty much the best quality that we can produce. Nice. So both indoor and outdoor cultivation, um, that's super dope. Um, Hopefully, if you have any slots available, a couple of patients can be down, stay up on it, man, because I know the medicine is way better in Oregon than where I'm at. Yeah. How long have you been in cultivation? Seven years. Um, I wasn't running my own stuff until about like five years ago, six years ago. It's dope that you're still sticking with it. What sort of methods are you practicing as far as indoor, outdoor? Is there like a nutrient line? Are you doing soil indoors? Are you doing hydro? We have worm beds. We're going to be recycling soil full season. Um, we have beds that we rotate. We have pots that we rotate and gotten to, you know, what we think is adequate level to put into back into an indoor facility, which is around like six to eight months 
it kind of takes like a really cold and a really hot atmosphere from the environment to kind of get the soil right. But yeah, we've recycled soil for the last four years and we found that that's like really one of the best methods because there's so much left over once the roots and like whatever is left in the soil finally decays and nature has at it. There's nothing that can quite compare to it. Um, and so we do a mixed method on some of our controlled uh, environments, like our indoor settings. We're going to be doing a, like a hybrid mix, uh, but we're still going to be using worm castings that we harvested from our beds, um, which that is a very dirty process. And then we're going to be using reused soil that mixed and tilled and worked with for at least half a year. We don't put it in, you know, our, our rooms without, you know, doing our due diligence. We do inoculate our soil. Um, we try to stay like, you know, ahead of the curb, you know, always doing our research. Um, I do have some help that really, you know, they allow me to kind of test some, you know, new things that I want to do. And, you know, I've, I've been really diligent on my methods and practices, trying to, you know, stay clean and sanitary, you know, just like some of the ground floor things that, you know, any grower would really practice. Um, you know, I really like outdoor. That would, If there's a method that really, you know, holds close to my heart, I feel like the sun and, you know, nature allows the plant to really show its true identity. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I do like indoor uh, cannabis. It is in a way you know, a bit more potent, different, a whole different style of cannabis. But yeah, I have, I've taken a liking to pretty much the whole aspect of cultivating. Yeah. I kind of didn't want to just focus on one style. So I, you know, yeah. did my research and ventured out. Yeah. Cause I was, I was always an outdoor guy. I didn't have the space to run any lights indoor. So like that was my game and it, and it is uh, a little bit different. I, my, my selling point to people would just be that there's more cannabinoids present when it's under the sun. Like if you run the same genetics indoor as outdoor, there will be more cannabinoids present on the lab test. And I would agree. Several years ago, I was getting batches tested with through chem history, which in the you know in the Oregon well maybe I'll just uh, inform in the Oregon they're they're pretty known for being honest and giving you know pretty solid results and you know I wasn't looking for numbers everything that I produced outside was coming back kind of more flavorful um definitely a whole different high you can see the differences you know no doubt no doubt totally in my journey of you know kind of figuring out the plant I I had the opportunity to, you know, work at several hydro stores in the local area. Um, and that opens up like a whole new gateway of knowledge because you're seeing so many, you know, different mines and different farmers coming through. And you just, yeah. you know, you do research, you talk to the reps. I've been to dozens of trade shows. And one thing I do say is that any form of compost tea or probably going to be my favorite feeding style. Um you get the, the most crystal development I've seen, just the healthiest plants. Uh, and that is an organic method. Yeah. Shooting powder. Yeah. <laughs> shit nasty, goes, nasty. Man. Shit goes, but the shit goes. 
you know, if, if we're going to consider this medicine like it is, you know, it's got to be grown, um, you know, like medicine, you know, it can't be anything else um, in the herb or, you know, that can compromise patient's health, you know? So if, if a patient that has, that needs to smoke or vaporize, but has, you know, like asthma or some sort of slightly compromised, like lung condition, smoking something with mold, even the slightest amount can really be detrimental to your health. So, you know, it just needs all around the board. It needs to, um, we really need to treat it like medicine. That's why um, Oregon d- is definitely taking the leap with like, you know, the really stringent pesticide testing and that uh, the mold testing could definitely be a lot more stringent. Medical mold test and the rec yeah. growers do not, correct? Right. In order to get on the I shelf? don't think, I think it's the same. I think the, or mainly know. like the, the, the mold count, since it's all going through the rec system, I could be I, wrong, but I don't think, I think, I don't think that mold is required. It's like salmonella and E. coli. And no, I, yeah, I agree. I think you can have in, in Oregon, they set it up so you can have quite a bit of, uh, you know, colony forming units, as they say, the CFU yeah. and still get away with a shelfable uh, product. If, you know, if we're not testing it in that capacity, it's there's a way to to believe prove that it's beneficial medicine in my eyes. No doubt. Oh okay, yeah. So that believe leads me. me. That leads me to my next question, Noah. Is uh, how have regulations changed since you started cultivating? Like I kind of touched on that a little bit, but um, plant limits, metric, all that, dude. Like. So, um, it for you, for you you do have to pass the mold test, correct, in order to get on the shelf. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Rec rec guys don't. They don't, man. I remember that being a big thing because everybody took pride in the medical community for passing that mold test. It's like we're in a humid environment through the fucking winter, no matter what. And if you can control your environment in order to pass that test, then you got game, and I will shop with you. You know. One thing that, you know, I've practiced since day one is like kind of like a, a Spartan mentality, but, you know, you see, you see any problem, you treat it like a cancer. And so, yeah, to a grower mold is like, you know, the bane, but when you have, you know, 5,000 plants, you know, huge investments and, you know, you're running like hundred light, 400 light, thousand light farm mold isn't going to stop you yeah (laughs) it's just that simple and and yeah and that was just something that when i saw rec turnover there was like pretty much the olcc and all the regulatory factions they had to like compromise with the farmers they had to like pick you know one or the other you know can we spray this or that and so pretty much i i believe that you know trying your best to have the cleanest environment. I try not to spray. I use predatory bugs to the best of my knowledge. And I try to, you know, I try to make my soils so strong and rich and my plants so healthy that, you know, they fend off, you know, the mold on their own, feeding your plants really healthy diets. And, you know, it's like, how are you going to be, you know, affected by a mold at that point? And that's just kind of the practice that I followed. But I'm not going to say that I've never seen mold because living in Oregon, and growing outdoors, bud rot is one of my biggest fears. So yeah. 
yeah, I'm totally familiar with all of that. Yeah, I keep peroxide on deck always. Yeah, any type bro. of way to clean all of my walls, anything like that. You, you just got to keep it clean. And dehumidifiers. I have a row of dehumidifiers because that's one of my best tools. It's but good, uh, It's good to hear that you're doing light depth too because no matter what, and I've been outside in Oregon – 2011 through 2017 no matter what halfway through september it starts it's gonna rain and yep. it's getting cold it's, everyone always i always thought it was funny no matter what halfway through well, it happens every single year bro yeah i thought it was funny because people told me at least uh, naive people told me at first that uh that oregon or like not i mean oregon is great for outdoor but portland was good for outdoor specifically too they were like oh yeah, you know, it grows great. You, it finishes out. It's all sunny, you know. It's all sun over the summer. No, I learned that that was not the case quickly. I mean, I didn't I didn't grow for a few years after that, but uh, I tried just uh, a little four-plant grow at my house. I think it was two summers ago. And, man, I mean, uh, I, my parents weren't getting too much sun, but we had a little pocket of, like, probably six hours of sunlight that I'd move them in and out of um just try to get him the most exposure possible and as soon as that rain hit mid-september like you're saying it was game over we tried to build a little structure over him but it's like if if you don't expect that then you you're gonna be unprepared and and that's what what i was and i lost all four plants so <laughs> yeah so any anybody listening the uh the light depth is light deprivation. It's when you start covering the plants to make them go into flower before the sunlight will. So you put yeah, controlling the, the photo like, period usually yeah. with tarps and motors and yeah, all sorts of yeah, <laughs> all sorts yeah. of crazy stuff. Um, yeah. But back onto the transition uh, question, really uh, OHA and the OLCC. The rules have really been changing. This could be wrong, but, you know, I always get a letter. It always seems like something is brought to my attention that, you know, they're going to change something. Uh, but they do a good job of communicating. I'm not saying that they don't. I, you know, I keep every piece of paper that they send me just in case, you know, cover my ass. Yeah, um, man. Something to refer back to. Like, well, I got a letter that said this. and Exactly. Oh, yeah. You got to keep that. Especially when it's still federally illegal, you know, you know. Oregon's, you know, I feel safe doing what I do. You never know what could happen anytime, but you know, being of America, the dollar I think is, you know, kind of pushing that aside. And like I just came back from a vacation and it literally everybody was talking about cannabis and it was in a a recently new rec legal state and so it was the new hot thing and where I was a lot of tourists that aren't from that area, they're coming to try cannabis to at least get, you know, a feel for it. OHA, um, they're doing a super good job. They're training a bunch of people. The OLCC is training a bunch of people. Neither of them are slouching on any of this. If you're growing weed and they know you're growing weed, they really want to come see what you got going on. And that was just like a really big wake up call for me. But I kind of expected it running such a large, you know, operation 
putting, you know, putting all those patients at my space and facilities. I knew that, you know, I was going to have to play ball or, you know, stop because, you know, they, they, they want to track everything. How much do you manicure off your plants? And so, yeah, yeah, they're doing a pretty good job on that. Um, it was, you know, a learning curve took a while, but, um, they offer training. There's a lot of, you know, stuff out there. A lot of people, you know, a lot of my friends are growers and they all have rec farms or, you know, they've dabbled with the systems. And so, yeah, I've gotten help everywhere. Um, they've helped me. They've always answered the phones, you know, they've been super, you know, cooperative with everything. They understand that it's going to take time for everything to, you know, be awesome. I'm actually for it. At first, I was a little shaky to it. But after, you know, after tr really getting good focus on my, you know, on my project and my what I call like my baby, it you know keeps you on top of everything. And so, all right, if I'm going to do this, then this is just another thing I have to do to live the dream. You know, they have you jump through every hoop. I feel like a rec farm would jump through. Um, and I'm, you know, I don't receive all the benefits a rec farm does by, you know, marketing and branding and going and, you know, pushing their product anywhere i'm i'm you know secluded to a small corner red growers have canopy space and you have a limit of plants you know what i mean oh yeah definitely um they did offer a grandfather program um where you know medical farmers could you know uh get a micro canopy or you know any of the licenses but i was in that category but i just at the time didn't feel like i was you know, ready to go do and pursue that. I live in an area where I'm not in the city limits. They keep your plant limits down. So you're really trying to grow super big, healthy plants, uh, you know, just so that you can, you know, pultable plant so that you can opt. It's just a little bit different uh, style growing, but it's still as beneficial. You know, I can still pull off canopies similar to a lot of the micro tiers uh when i had my inspections they were the olcc was impressed they were they looked at my space and what i had built and they're like you're cleaner than some of the farms we visit you know but yeah it's a whole different ball game you want if they want me to you know get it to a processor to get it into a different form i'll usually you know do the due diligence for them to get that done and pretty nice for that but my patients have been there from the beginning and they've, you know, stood by me and been super supportive. I would rather struggle and be owning my shit instead of, you know, working hard and, you know, leaving a farm after caring for it all day and, you know, barely <laughs> making a wage. Do you think they're going to keep whittling away? At you can't keep operating and you're just going to have to pay for a rec license. I've spoke to many rec farmers some that are super successful, some that aren't so successful. And I've, you know, kind of heard their stories and their build. And it, it really is really hard work running a, a rec farm. Uh, it's no slouch. I've worked at several rec farms. They're putting serious plants down, thousands of plants, thousands of clones. And it's just insane. And if you think about it, the, the amount of licenses that are issued here and like, you know, the extreme surplus organs, you know, facing right now with millions of pounds of usable cannabis, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, but, you know, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to, you know, be able to push any of their cannabis away or out. Um, 
I've really tried my best to keep my quality ahead of the game. I know that, you know, the commercial grows, they produce a certain quality. It is good. And so that's just really what I'm, you know, all about just trying to get the plant to, you know, demonstrate its full potential. Another thing I've tried to do, do in-house breeding to try to, you know, know, steal away with, you know, hype that isn't out there or a flavor that isn't released to the public that anyone, that no one can find type stuff. I think there's a niche for definitely the breeders out there. Try to stick true to that and just the best quality, cleanest cannabis. Uh, Noah, it looks like we have uh, a question on YouTube for you. I believe this is directed at you. Um, So exactly how did you start your business? Did you have to have certain certificates to do so? They do have you apply. Being a medical farmer isn't a business, but once you, you know, apply for the metric transfer out, you are going to be a business. They they ask you on your applications when you're applying for uh, a medical card. They say, will you be transferring out to uh, processors or shops? And so you do need to state clearly as a patient filling out for your grower, like what is intended with the cannabis that is produced. The OLCC and OHA, they're going to you know ask you to pay all these fees for you know grow site uh administration fees tracking fees purchase of you know agricultural license scales just to be compliant to even operate in their system wow and the other question did you already ask the every state have different limitations on per plant uh yes every state according to their medical laws will have a different plant limit for cultivation yep um okay so skipping towards the end noah what sort of ideas and concepts are you trying to promote for the future really promoting a happy and healthy lifestyle the the cannabis industry has transitioned and been this tornado so fast because it's you know it's a billion dollar industry i'm just trying to keep the dream alive um i've definitely had to switch up (laughs) my usual deal I'm trying to operate as an above board business. And so um, really coming to the market with new strains, new genetics. I'm out here find, trying to find farms that, you know, can give me a good representation of my menu. So I'm giving them seeds to do trials with. And I've had some really good results, um, you know, I'm you know, pursuing extracts. I really enjoy solventless methods. I hold Echo Electuary very close to my heart. Their dabs are the flavor, most flavorful dabs I've ever had. Uh, pretty, Yeah, pretty much. I just, uh, I'm still new at this. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, keep my head above water at this point and make sure that I'm going to be doing everything that the state wants. So, you know, I don't see any penalties or, you know, disciplinary actions. Um, and yeah, I really just want to uh, develop my farm. Uh, I have an opportunity. Uh, to, you know, work, uh, work on expanding my brand here in the next year and light depth seasons already kind of began for me. And so I'm, I'm already at it every day, you know, twice a day. I'm, I'm out there working, making sure everything is taken care of that is on the list that has to get done. But I really appreciate this opportunity to kind of, you know, come out here and talk. Um, it's been a great, a great journey. I've learned a lot from just this whole experience really got to owe it to my partner 
she actually is what drove this whole project to blossom. Cannabis was going to be you know, the direction that will be the safest, you know. And so, you know, I dove in deep, put everything I had into this. And uh, it's still, you know, it's still tough. But right now it's a good point and it's kind of starting to blossom and everything's rolling really good for me. Um, and yeah, I uh, really got to say the support came from all the patients. Uh, if it wasn't for the patients, I wouldn't have done any of this. Okay, nice. so Will's got one more yeah. question for Noah before we open it up for callers. If any callers want to call in, the number is one eight three three seven 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 three two two seven. That's one eight three three seven 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 dabs. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> um, no, I know you uh, pop a lot of different um, seeds and do a little bit of breeding yourself. What you look for in um, ones that you're trying to breed yourself? That's really very important part of a lot of the stuff I do. I feel like the plant and the medicine it provides is always different and developing all the different cannabinoids that have been researched that are coming out you know, hybridization of strains is only going to strengthen that. And so um, really, like what we were talking about earlier in the segment, uh, my season, my environment where I live really dictates a lot of what I choose. Um, I'm really looking for short season, mainly indica dominant strains, seven week strains, because, you know, I'm scared of molds. You know, there's $300 seed back down the chain type stuff. But, you know, you learn and you you find a breeder that you like and you just you stay with them. Uh, Professor P, everything I've popped from him has literally been tried and true. I have nothing bad to say about any pack I've popped from him. A fanboy strain. Uh, it's going to be Super Silver Haze crossed to uh, Granddaddy Purple. And uh, that's been my, you know, my life's work. Uh I've like back crossed it three times now. And then I've also bred it to like a 20 plus strain menu. And so I have created, you know, like my, my future in a way, you know, putting an investment into breeding so that, you know, I don't have to rely on, you know, clones or any outside, you know, that's dope. Uh, I'm trying to yeah. get some 10 packs of those, man. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're definitely doing, uh, we definitely are doing, you know, tester packs for people who want to do the full uh, interview process and understand more. Um, we are doing, you know, tons of freebies. Uh, we gave out probably, I want to say close to 50 or 60 seeds selections. You know, what I thought was a good plant, what I thought was healthy really pays off for me now. Um, but, you know, <laughs> being Papa Bear, I'm kind of stingy, you know. <laughs> you you know i'm not just gonna give you seeds can we get you to plug all of your social media and your websites that you have anything going on we have the ig um this year being you know the year that we're a business we're you know getting the websites up and running the seed menus up and running uh we're, we're the ig's just began it's going to be salvation farms and dream teams seeds um we're going to more content this year. This is kind of the year, you know, to develop swag, content, a brand, you know, make sure everybody knows like what we're all about. We're going to be hitting the shelves and I want to make it look, you know, very unique, very 
one of a kind, you know, I've seen what the whole market has thrown at it and it's time to, you know, do better than what you see, you know, kind of, yeah, you know, do what you can throw out, throw at, you know, you only live once. It's my motto. But uh, so, yeah. so any anybody in Oregon who's looking around for seeds or product on the shelf, please ask about Salvation Farms or Dream Team Seeds. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are awesome. This so, is so much fun. it's uh that's our time slot that we have for Noah Bentley from Salvation Farms and Dream Team Seeds. We thank, thank you, you guys. for coming on the show. Um, our you, next man. guest is Joshua Steenslin. I think he's coming on the video stream shortly here. Thanks for coming on, Noah. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good rest of your night, bro. You too, guys. Night. Later, man. Later. See if Joshua Steenslin comes on here. Noah's uh, pretty dope. I mean, he he's actually, I think, transferred uh, right before we... Uh, closed up shop for uh the renovation for natural wonders he uh um we put a bit of his stuff out um because he's you know in the metric system so um yeah once the shop back uh, opens back up i think we'll probably be one of the first shops okay joshua steenslin are you there sir it's going good i can hear you loud and loud and clear sweet Sounds good on that end, too. To start it out, I, I know your uh, answers are going to be elaborate. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm a super big fan of your work and your methods. Um, the first question I have is just, can you please introduce yourself, your company, state of operation, rec or medical, et cetera? Sure. I'm Joshua Steensland, and uh, I own uh, Steensland Consulting, and um, we are available for contract cultivation, complete control of cultivation services for facilities. And uh, my one of my main clients is Freshwater Farms in Oregon. They're an OLCC licensed uh, facility, um, and uh, things are going well. I've got some other projects in the works, uh, uh, you know, and I just really can't speak on those right now. Um, uh, a lot of folks, if you've been following me, you know I've been in uh, St. Croix, and so we got stuff going on, and, and I'm hoping like, that I, I'm Hawaii able to share too? stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm like, damn, man, that boy's getting busy. <laughs> we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come and consult uh, with us. Definitely. Can you, can, you at no, least, uh, can you say which farm you're consulting for in Oregon? Like, is it it's going to be your work for the first year at least, right? Yeah, that's Freshwater Farms. Uh, okay. they're, yeah, they're, we're in the, the Portland area there. Nice, nice. And where are you out of? Are you, are you in a different state? I'm a, just a little drive away from, from that, that facility. But, oh, uh, nice, so I, nice. you know, and I, I have my own little personal medical grow here that, that I've been doing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the one on the IG feed too, right? You're on like your 11th or 12th cycle no-till indoor. Yeah, yeah, I think we're getting ready to start our 10th, but I've had some pretty long breaks in between there. So, you know, if I, they're, the beds are getting on to four years old now. So wow. they've been four years nice. in the same soil. Um, yeah, so, and they're just, it, they're getting better and better. Okay, so how long awesome. have you been in cultivation, Joshua Steenslin? Um, well, I started cultivating seriously when I got out of the Marines in about in 95. So it was probably about 90 I really started to uh, 
cultivate seriously. And at that point, there was no medical, nothing. So we were straight guerrilla style, you know, um, false walls in the basement type stuff. And um, and I think I've, there's a picture on my IG feed from back in those days with the big like street lamp type sodium. Um, so I've been growing pretty steady ever since then. He's learning something new every day. Dope, dope. So can you please talk about your methods? Um, some of the people who are listening might not be as familiar with cannabis cultivation like me and Will are. No-till, indoor. Like, can you sure. talk about that? No. Yeah, I could break that down. No problem. It's, it, it, it's really, it's a simple process. My process is the ultra minimalist. I'm, I mean, I think I'm, I'm even an outlier when it comes to the no-till kind of regenerative community. This minimalist role and water only method. And what I mean by that is once I have plants in my soil, all I ever introduce to the soil is water. That's it. No teas, no ferments, no top dresses, nothing just water and when i started to when i started to do this it was because i I wanted to document and prove the point that that what's happening in the soil is what's driving you know 99 percent of what's happening above the soil so you know and in doing so you, you i had to learn about what what was happening in the soil instead of it being this big mystery and so that's where no-till and regenerative agriculture comes in because um, with the help of people like Dr. Elaine Ingham and Lowenfels and his uh, teaming book series, cultivators that are t- taking microscopy courses and, you know, basically becoming self-taught microbiologists and uh, uh, learning what's going on in their soil because that that's really what's driving plant growth and, and everything. So there's this communication between healthy living soil and the plant. And when we're out of the way and allow that um, process to take place or those, those multitude of processes take place, you end up with the highly refined product at the end that you've, you've achieved kind of maximum genetic potential and expression of that genetic potential because you, you haven't done any shortcuts. You've just allowed the plant to interact with soil as it was designed yeah, I try to explain that to homies too, that no-till is, that's an accurate representation of what the breeder's work was. Like there's no turn up on, on phosphorus with the nutrients or any of that. It's, mm-hmm. I, I just, dude, I dig that a lot. Yeah, it was, a, it was a hard sell for me because I used to own two brick and mortar hydroponic shops. I was a conventional, I mean, I've grown every kind of way. I've had a current culture system i've done the highly oxygenated uh, recirculating deep water culture you know i've done it and i've tried a lot of these things and when i stumbled across this kind of living soil methodology it was like this kind of epiphany happened it was just like wow what well what have i been thinking the past you know 16 years and i really just stripped away anything that i thought i knew about cultivating cannabis and and tackled this new living soil methodology with like a like a like i was learning something new for the first time and of course of course you can't unlearn things about growing cannabis but i really tried to strip away a lot of those old bad habits the whole wet dry cycle with cocoa and whatnot um and and to a conventional cultivator that's madness yeah yeah (laughs) no doubt dude that's i i saw you 
really campaigning for the blue mat system too before anybody mm. else was with the carrots and all that and i'm like damn man that's yeah dope. i saw the value i noticed the value off those right away and 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 they were pretty well known in the in the living so community already by the time i i kind of jumped into the stream um but but i've really like got vocal with about the the benefits of them and it, i was really an honor to have blue mat kind of create a uh, four by eight and a four by four uh, system based off my home grow and has named it after me. They were like, I want, I want the kit that Josh, I want it, the setup Josh Steensland has. And so they were just like, finally like, all right, I think we just need to put together a kit. So when people call, I can just say, okay, yeah, cool. So I, I was really honored to that, you know, my voice has been heard in such a fashion where it's actually affecting you know uh you know businesses it's great it feels yeah, good and, and cultivators are learning easier ways to to take care of things you know yeah. you shouldn't have to be in your bed in your room watering every day you have lives oh, to live no doubt dude <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my next yeah. question is in switching to that method what were some of the obstacles on the way to getting your room dialed like just just talking on your medical grow i guess at home really the the biggest hurdle was like my ego was <laughs> and it's going to sound kind of weird but it, it it was like literally letting go of this kind of mad scientist mentality where you're mixing seven part formulas and phing your water and and yes. you know watching this schedule very closely on when you get to change your nutrients and all this crap you know and and that's good. That's great if that's how you cultivate. And that a lot of people like that. They like to feel like they're participating in the in the cultivation of the cannabis, and it serves them in 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 that way. And and cultivators are in a large part very A type personalities, and so that that control factor is a hard thing to give up. When I learned that I didn't have to pH my water anymore in a living soil system. The beds pH it. The the bacteria and the fungi or the microbiome, the micro life in the beds are responsible for pHing the water. So unless you're like way off the charts and poisonous water, you know, the the the, the a healthy microbiome in your soil will handle that. So you don't have to add anything to your water. So that was a big trick for me, like a, a big one. Like you're watching pH like crazy go from that kind of strict rigorous control to like yeah well you know whatever i didn't even ch check my ph you know i just i went to straight observation mode to where i was just watching my plants and noticing my plants were looking beautiful there was no sign of ph issues so i was like all right you know fuck it there's no problems <laughs> you know and so it was that kind of that stuff was the hardest hurdle you know some of the best product i ever grew is that first cycle in living soil and, I, and when i didn't do anything i and I still kind of beat that drum now, nine cycles later, going into my 10th cycle. Like, it's really hard to take credit because I'm walking through my room 10 or 15 minutes every other day, sometimes not for a week. You know, I just, don't, I just don't spend time in there because the natural process is already happening. And it's happening without me, you know. And, and the more I'm in there mucking around with the process, the, the, that's, another, that's more of a variable. Okay, so oh, so graded pest management with predator predator bugs and all that. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do use predators. Um, I like to stick with predators in in the ideal situation. I'd like to I'd like to do like a no spray IPM where all of your 
uh, pest management is handled by a diverse array of beneficial insects. Uh, works really good for small cultivators or cultivators who are isolated or in a big complex where there's large growth. Calls to the pests from miles around. Yeah. They just they just know that all that all that cannabis is there, and so it's really hard to achieve and uh, have success in a big commercial setting like that. So, you know, we tend to do your average, you know, two to three time a week IPM spraying during veg and early flower. And then we switch to a heavy uh, beneficial IPM regimen. So whatever is recommended by say natural enemies or something, we'll, tr we'll tend to want to double that just to hedge our bets. That's tight. Yeah, going the extra mile. Yeah, might as well, right? Yeah, dude. Um, I saw one of your IG posts where let some lizards loose in your room, dude. I was like, no oh way. yeah, like, that was funny. back when I was really struggling with uh, the roly polies of the woodlouse, uh, and I was just like, man, they were just mowing down any seedlings or even like just freshly transplanted clones if they were under like four inches they would just uh, annihilate them right the temperature stays exactly the same if you got your shit together your your uh your environmental conditions are going to be spot on and so it just so happens when you're running a, a room with a vapor proper vapor pressure deficit and proper humidity and temperature that uh wood louse the roy polies happen to just love and those little suckers, they live up to three years apiece. Three years. So you get one in your room, it's it's gonna it's gonna reproduce and it'll be there three years later, it'll be dying, but it'll be that same roly poly that was there three years ago. Damn. So um they they can get out of hand crazy. And that's what happened with me, is that I had just this huge bloom of roly polies and I didn't know what to do. I refused to do any kind of take any toxic measures. You know, so I just kind of like, once again, I, I got out of the way. And if anybody wants a really good book to read, it's uh, Fuk uh, Manis, I'm going to mess up his first name, Manasubu Fukuoka. He wrote a book called The One Straw Revolution or A One Straw Revolution. And it is a really, really good book where he, he basically he encapsulates the ethos of regenerative and no-till agriculture. Um, he was a former... Japanese equivalent of Department of Agriculture worker who had this kind of epiphany and he made really gentle um, corrections to how he cultivated based on what the land was telling him. And he just, his whole thing was just let it grow, let it be in its natural state and it will produce, you know, everything you need. And so in that, in that same kind of let it be uh, vein, I just surrendered to the roly polies and literally this sounds kind of uh, uh, wooey but this is the truth like in a within a couple months of me just being like all right i'm just gonna learn to live with these guys i chopped and dropped a lot of my cover crop and just gave them food to eat so they'd stay off my cannabis and then i had a huge wave of garden spiders move in and they were like everywhere they were like you couldn't walk through my room i was breathing them in my nostrils I just had, I had spiders everywhere in there and I've got no more crazy spider blooms, but for about four or five months, you could not go in that room without like just spiders parachuting from everywhere. But nature is amazing. It will, if you just have patience, 
it will and you provide and you just kind of provide the right environment it'll balance itself out it'll find balance it's really good at that that's how we're yeah. still planet <laughs> yeah man that's dope man like uh yeah, really awesome. really pr principled leadership man i'm, I'm right. digging everything you're saying right now um so my next question so i i thought that fresh water farms was your thing but i guess you're just consulting for them yeah no i mean mike is a great guy he's the owner of freshwater farms he's a, a really good dude he's from hawaii and um he he came to me with you know with like a vision of wanting to do things right he believed in the method and and was like look i'll give i don't know anything about cultivating cannabis i want to i'll give you complete creative control just if just duplicate what you're doing at home here and let's do it, you know? And, and so we just jumped in kind of with both feet to, to see it. I had set up another um, rec facility in Washington that I can't mention, but um, I, I wish I could, but I, I set one up previously and that, um, so that was a good experience for me moving forward. There was a, a really common misconception at first because we hit it really hard and people were confused who the owner was and what was happening with that. So hard to kind of uh, um, send consulting from only so that freshwater farms can kind of be outside of kind of my identity. That That's cool. Sense. Yeah. Well, no, it does. Well, I, uh, being in the cannabis industry, I fell in love with working for myself. Mm -hmm. And it's like once it became so flooded in Oregon that I couldn't do that and couldn't get on the shelf anymore and still be compliant without getting the like it would just like I didn't have the capital to do all that so I had to bail and um it bummed me out but it's just man it's the way things go so yeah I, man I it's, it's I think it's dope that you still kept your principles and you're still working for yourself and you're still <laughs> balling out you know what I mean like no man well I feel really fortunate I feel lucky to you know have just kind of stuck to my guns and and come across some good people along the way who've believed in me and believed in the 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 greater vision because I think I think uh, uh, this kind of a new paradigm shift in in commercial cultivation is coming it has to come like it the 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 model that people have for large-scale commercial culture at scale when they realize that what we can do what we can produce what our cost of goods produced is compared to a conventional cultivator is ridiculous they're spending a million dollars or more a year on soil that they're tossing or paying to go recycle or whatever they're doing with it and then and, and having to replace it or spending X amount on 55 gallon drums of nutrients that they don't need, you know? And so it's, uh, the paradigm shift is coming and we're starting to, now that we've been kind of vocal about freshwater farms and I've become more vocal, um, had a lot of uh, speaking engagements and it's exposed me to a lot of uh, larger scale cultivators and investors who are really starting to their ears are starting to perk up to this regenerative movement that's happening and it's a better product in the end if it's done right you know your terpene expression is is full and mature and you've got you know a, once again you've got that complete expression of the genetic potential you know and when you take a shortcut or you um 
you know, use like a bud hardener or something of that nature. You're bypassing a, a, some kind of natural process or, or more than likely a series of natural processes that are then going to uh, uh, detract from the potential, you know, so, you know, and that's just simply from my observation, you know, like I grew conventionally for so long that it, 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 I didn't, I didn't take it lightly that the first cro crop I grew out of living soil, I made hash out of it and won the dope cup. I, I was a huge, like, okay, wait a minute, there's something here. Like it was my yeah. first cycle. You know, I had fungus gnats like crazy. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't really like, I wasn't a full believer yet and it still yeah. knocked it out of the park you know That's so dope. it's uh it's just proofs in the pudding yeah man it is like that was my whole thing too when i was trying to solicit investors was look at my spreadsheet i'm not asking for 1.2 million i'm asking for 160 racks you know what i mean yep and it was like everything's just a one-time thing we don't we only have to spend five a year after that and they were just like right. huh and it's like, man, if it just keeps going, we, we just reuse it. And they're like, huh. And, uh, you know, shit happens and things don't go the way you want them to. And I'm, I'm not sad anymore, but I really uh, started following because of your methods. And it's like you were running what most people would do outdoors under some lights in a room. As an right. kind of, you know, and I was just like, God damn, that's tight. You know what I mean? Like, cause I just didn't really see anybody else anywhere doing that same thing. So yeah, like, there yeah. was some, there were some small pockets. I mean, I have to give credit to mountain organics. So uh, I got us talking about mountain organics. Like he's the guy who, who's been doing it the longest, as far as I know. And, and people like Clackamas Coot, um, Jeremy from build a soil. A lot of these guys were on the living soil train before I hopped on. You know, and uh, and uh, Green Life Productions in Vegas, um, they actually started their Vegas facility at the same time I started my living soil operation at home. So I feel like this kind of kindred spirit with him because I got to watch his commercial uh, uh, operation grow and develop while my medical one was growing. And now I'm kind of doing commercial stuff. So I kind of look up to those guys. Uh, so there's definitely, definitely uh, OGs out there that I look up to and um you way know to pay and, homage bro way to pay homage yeah well yeah, was, I've, I've heard of uh green life productions i think they have what two facilities now in las vegas we all think of ourselves as brothers kind of in this uh, regenerative uh, community and so there's really not a lot of this competitive vibe or anything everybody wants to see each other do well. and um so i really i really like those guys and look up to them and and uh, i'm proud to follow in their footsteps totally that's awesome I know that, uh, and you might have touched on this earlier, but uh, it, sometimes building a, a no-till takes, you know, a couple of years or sometimes it, you know, you have a few, you know, more of nutrients than than others needed as, uh, you know, sometimes things are a little bit hot. Um, did you encounter any problems when you uh, first started your uh, your soil base? Did you have to, like, readjust anything or... No, and and I think that if you properly build your soil, you won't be hot. And so yeah. there's a few, there's a yeah there's a few recipes out there. There's a a Clackamas Coot recipe that's really popular. Um, and then you can also buy uh, from a number of places across the country pre-mixed um, no-till like kind of water-only blends. And there's one from Keep It Simple. 
and that's just you can't go wrong with them um so if you follow these kind of standard recipes and you're not doing like a uh, you know, I'm not shitting on the guy, but the sub cool super soil recipe, that's really mm. hot. That's hot. That would oh, burn yeah, yeah, shit, definitely. right? So, yeah. so that, you know, I wouldn't suggest that mix, you know, per se. There's a lot of stuff in there that makes it too hot. There's a great uh, Clackamas Coot soil recipe. If you follow that, you will not burn your plants. You can't burn your plants. Um, awesome. And then so, and then, and then getting a deeper understanding of how this, uh, uh, soil food web works uh you really you you get relaxed and you realize that that there's really not as long as you're not dumping any kind of water soluble plant ready nutrient into your soil there is no capacity for the plant to overfeed itself it's just not wired into it there is no burning that takes place in nature unless you're talking about like a anaerobic soil uh, or a compost or something, then you might get some kind of weird toxicity issue. But overload is is solely a synthetic or or kind of plant soluble nutrient issue. So if you're if you're cultivating in living soil beds, and, and you can't get that kind of weird nutrient burn issue unless you've mixed your soil wrong. Totally. No doubt. I used to put too much bat guano in my compost tea the first year I made soil. And, um, it fucking burned the shit out of my Obama plants. And yeah. Oh yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm I'm not a fan of of activated compost tea for the most part, and that's simply because for that reason. I mean, I'm not saying I hate it. I think it's a really uh, beneficial tool. You have to have your your tea recipes has to be on point. And you and at the at the very least, and at the most, you need you know getting and getting in there and looking at what you're actually brewing, and and yeah. applying to your garden goes a long way at make, making sure you're doing safe. I learned a really cool thing from the guy from Malibu Compost, and I feel like an a hole because I don't remember his name, but he talks about a really safe way to introduce the beneficial microbes from compost or earthworm castings um, is to do um what was he calling like a compost extract so you basically just fill like a cheese or you know like a cheese cloth or like a nut milk bag full of uh, your compost or your earthworm castings and then just run a ho- stick a hose in there and let hose water pass through it or or just take like a cup and put it in a cup of compost and put it into a five gallon bucket of clean water stir it up and let it sit there for a couple hours then uh, drain out the liquid and use that. You, you, it was, it's impossible to burn your shit. It will introduce a, a big inoculation of beneficial microbes, provided you are using a good quality starting material, and and you run very little risk, no risk of it being anaerobic, unless the material you started with smelled like shit and was anaerobic, yeah. right? Yeah, so dude. you know, I've good in, good out. But too, man. Yeah, totally. When it so smells that, all sour, I'm like. Fuck, yeah, man. man. It's no good to be like this. Yeah, it's got to smell good. So that yeah. that extract, that compost extract, is a really good way to get around misbrewing adventures. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah, I remember seeing that product at the grocery store. Uh, the one single use, like compost bags that you could like, like you suppose water through, or just steep in a bit of water for a bit, and you know, very useful tools. Yeah, yeah, it's he's a big proponent of it and I and I happen to agree with him. I think it's probably the safest way. 
I'm a big guy at reducing variables, you know, and I don't have a microscope at home and I haven't, I haven't acquired that skill just yet. So until I have that skill, I'm going to take, I'm going to take precautions that provide me the least variables uh, as possible because something's always going to come up. What is on your agenda for this year as far as goals in the industry? I know Mm. you're doing a lot of consulting work. Some you can talk about, some you can't. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, are you I, are you, you going to enter any competitions or anything where people can check for you? Um, I don't think so. No competitions in in just yet. Um, we've been talking about putting on uh like an indoor versus outdoor cup, just kind of tongue in cheek, because we know that they're uh they're completely different, you know. But we just want to kind of cater to that kind of natural uh. Uh, rivalry you know yeah. and so we've been talking about we've been talking about putting together a good good hearted you know thorough like test a, like third rumble in, rumble in the, yeah rumble Every in the bronx thing. so we've been talking about that and i'm I'm working on wanting to get my uh, cultivation manual done that i've been working i'm working on it so I've, i'm probably about 25 percent done trying to trying to punch in an hour or two a day you're going to make a book? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call it a book, but probably about a 120-page cultivation manual based specifically on my kind of uh, minimalist approach. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I've been working on it for a little bit and I'm, I've kind of committed myself to spending several hours a day on it until I knock it out because the, the interest has been really high. I probably have about 100 people who've reached out since i mentioned it last spring before i took the job at freshwater call it 101 like <laughs> i will buy that book bro like yeah, serious. It's coming. what sort of ideas and concepts are you trying to promote in the future oh uh biodynamic cultivation for sure um that's uh that's something that's really piqued my interest in the past a year six months to a year if you're not familiar with it uh, look into uh, biodynamics it's uh almost like uh, thinking of treating your your property homeo homeopathically with really small micro doses of of concentrated uh, microbes or minerals and and so it's really interesting some of it's a little out there but when you dig into this into kind of um the meaning behind it it makes a lot of sense and would really like to emulate that indoors to some degree like like have property off-site where we um, produce our own compost have our own kind of ruminant animals biodynamics is really exciting to me right now tight tight so um i'm gonna open it up to callers if anybody is listening the number to call in is one eight three three seven 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 dabs that's one eight three three seven 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 three two two seven if you can plug your social media and everything to josh now would be the time to do that um we're we're not limited on time because you're our last guest so anything else you want to talk about after you plug your social media um, please plug your, your social media and website for your consulting and personal IG. Yeah, sure. So my personal IG is just my name at Joshua Steensland. 
And then my business IG is Steensland Consulting. Should be really easy to find just on either of those. And then my YouTube channel is Joshua Steensland as well. I tried to make, make it really easy. Um, lots of folks have handles, IG handles these days. And, I, you know, I, I'd like to just keep one name. <laughs> Way to go, bro. Way to go. Yeah. We're trying to be concerned that podcast on everything, too. Uh, Snapchat makes you shorten your name, though. So, concerned totally. on Snap. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything else you want to add after this interview, dude? Like, uh, we're going to try and promote it as much as we can. But yeah, and, I'll be uh, speaking at the Cultivation Classic in May. May, I think it's the 18th. I'll be speaking there. So if anybody who's listening or is going to be in Oregon and going to the Cultivation Classic, I'll be there on the 17th and the 18th. Awesome. And then do you have uh, like a regular schedule for your YouTube channel where you're broadcasting live? No, you know, and I've kind of, I'll be honest, I've kind of let the YouTube um, content decline i i lost interest when they did they went through and did their big purge i haven't been posting there a lot and i think we're gonna pivot i'm I'm thinking about pivoting to um just talking about organic cultivation in general and walking through what the things that we're going to be doing in my uh garden in my yard so we've got like a hugo culture mounds out there that me and the kids put together last year i've got a compost pile so we're we're talking about like just pivoting and, and and away from cannabis and just focusing on that kind of organic cultivation and then just peppering it with cannabis stuff. But I really feel like the bulk of what I've done on YouTube is just kind of there already. And people can go to my no-till talk series and still got people commenting on the first one. It was about three years ago, I think I did those. And so um, it, they're, they're still getting exposure and people are still learning stuff from them. So as long as they're, they're still valid, I'm just kind of kind of let sleeping dogs lie. So I'll just leave that as a, a kind of perpetual resource for folks. No doubt, dude. Well, uh, I'm definitely going to tune into that channel and watch some of those videos. Appreciate everything you're doing. We appreciate having you on the show, man. Like, No, thanks a lot. No, I, I, uh, I enjoy talking about it and I'm trying to turn on as many folks to this more natural way of doing things this isn't just cannabis like this you're learning a skill that that translates over into whatever you want to cultivate so you know we our first year of doing living soil tomatoes we we got probably got 150 pounds 200 pounds of cherry tomatoes this is ridiculous out of my backyard i mean yeah. we just like i had to buy a freezer you know to, awesome. <laughs> it was yeah, nuts awesome. yeah yeah it was nuts awesome. man yeah so cool that pretty much concludes the questions i have thanks for coming on joshua steensland that wraps up our second episode for cultivation yeah have a good rest of your night bro like thanks a lot for coming on the show and appreciate it man hey dude no worries at all man it's my pleasure and uh as as we progress dude just hit me up and if i got time i'll jump on anytime okay cool we're gonna hit you up for maybe the solventless extraction because we know you're a you're a big rosin guy too with your your personal garden yeah yeah hit me up well if we can make it happen we'll do it okay cool man have a good rest of your night bro all right you guys too thank you man Uh,